This morning, um, we are going to continue on in our uh, Immerse series, our um, Bible reading experience. But my, my question is, uh, what's jumped out at you this week? We've been doing this on a regular basis. We've read through Hebrews and we read through James and John. What, what jumped out at you this week? What would you like to share? All right. Awkward silence doesn't bother me. Just saying. Well, I think I'm in the right section, but uh, yeah, that Gospel of John is loaded with so many things, such a wonderful scripture. One of them is uh, where it says, Jesus said, uh, Satan or the thief came to rob, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and that more abundantly. So Jesus is all about life, good life, abundant life, and you know what? Eternal life. And so that's a, such a wonderful thing. And then a little later on, he says, uh, he says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it wasn't true, I would have told you. Yeah. And I must go to prepare a place for you. So they must have quite a construction project going on <laughs> up there, preparing places for us all. And there's many other verses. Those are just a couple that come off the top of my head, but uh, we have a bright, bright future in the Lord, and the more, okay, one more. <laughs> I know this anytime I give him the microphone, it's okay. He's, he's never going to give me this mic again, but uh, it says, uh, Jesus said, he who loves his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake shall keep it or find it or whatever, so there's that's quite a truth there. The more we surrender to Jesus, the more life we experience. Amen. So Amen. With that, I'll quit. All right, thank you. Amen. Give him a hand. I would say anybody else, but instead I'm going to say next. Bob, all right. People are starting to get to know you by name. You stand up every week. That's good. It was in uh, Hebrews where it says, It was by faith Abel gave a more precious gift than Cain did. And it was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven. And it was by faith that Noah built an ark as requested by God. And it was by faith that Sarah, in her old age, even could bear a child, you know. And uh, it is by faith that I need some help on. Amen. Amen. <laughs> this side of the room has been pretty quiet over the past few weeks. All right. Wow. So just a little bit of pressure does. That's a good thing. <laughs> okay. So... You, know, you read it through, like, the Bible, and you don't quite pick up on all the small little nuances, but when you read it like this, it's like, you know, it even says, you know, Jesus told him what was going to happen. He kept explaining, and he kept explaining, and often we're like, we know the end of the story, so you, we know how it goes, and it's like, well, <laughs> they kept questioning, and they kept asking, and they kept doing all these things, but you just see it in more of, a, the, more of the story form, and you just get... You have a little bit more grace. I have a little bit more grace, maybe for the for the people around him. Amen. For you know, you think about the not even last week. You know, it's, they talked about 
Mary and Joseph, and it's like, okay, we always look at Joseph, and Joseph had this dream, and Joseph stayed, and Joseph believed, but Mary had to tell him. Mary had to come back and say, so, this is what happened. <laughs> and it's just some of those things that jump out that you don't always pick up on because so much other stuff is focused on. No. I'm here. Okay, I'll volunteer. Oh, thanks. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Okay, one thing that stuck out to me was uh, when I was reading on James, uh, this was Jesus' brother. And it's like, you know, when brothers and sisters live together, they really get to know each other. And so I never realized, I knew it in my head that James was Jesus' brother, but it was a different realization reading it this way that, oh, yeah, he really knew Jesus because he lived with him. And James talks about such uh, common sense things, just you know, and, but it was a little different way of seeing that, oh, yeah, he really lived with Jesus, so he really knows Jesus. Amen. I won't just stick a microphone in everybody's face, but I could do that to Lonnie. So anybody else? One more. We'll look for one more this morning. Is that Jeopardy theme song working through your head? Anybody? All right, because you know once I get started, it's going to be 40 minutes before you get up. So I've just given you the chance. All right, so we are, uh, in my discussions with um, different friends, uh, different church leaders, um, different um, friends in the faith, um, we've been talking, we always kind of come back to what's going on in church, how's church going, what's going on in your life, what's going on in the life of the church, and I've shared with any number of pastors as well as any number of friends what we're doing. We're reading through the New Testament in 40 days, and most of them um, have kind of rolled their eyes at me, okay, like, like what are people going to get out of that? And um, somebody shared a video with me this week. And I have said over and over and over and over and over again and over again that real discipleship comes when we get God's word in our heart, right? It, almost like, uh, you know, if I, if, I, if I hid God's word in my heart, I might not sin against him. Maybe you've heard that. That's a principle. So a friend of mine sent me a video this week, and I want to share, before we get started in the message, I want to share this video. So if we could kill the lights and, and pop the video on. It's about a five-minute video, but I'm just, I just want you to grab the truth. This is a pastor that I have uh, heard in person. I've, I've heard him a number of times. I really, I really trust this guy. Let's, let's roll that video. Let me finish with this uh, story. We go to China from time to time, and... and uh, uh, we train leaders, and this time we brought up 22 leaders from the Hunan province, and they rode 13 hours on a train to get to a hotel that they came up two by two in these elevators as, so as to not draw any attention, and then they got to a hotel room, a little apartment uh, room, it's only about 700 square feet in the little living room, no air conditioning, hardwood floor, 22 sat there. I came in, and when you teach in China, you start at 8 in the morning, and you don't get done till 5 at night. You teach the whole day. They were sitting there, all 22 of them, and I looked around, and I said, now, if we get caught, what will happen to me? 
They said, oh, you'll get deported in 24 hours and we'll go to prison for three years. I said, you're kidding. How many of you have been in prison for your faith? Out of 22, 18 raised their hands. I thought, no way. And I looked at him and I said, you, you 22 people, how many people do you oversee? Because they were all of these small group leaders, underground church leaders in the Hunan province. I said, how many, if you counted up all the people under your jurisdiction, how many would it be? And they counted them up and they said, little over 20 million. I said, what? See, we forget there's 1.3 billion people in China. This is crazy. Well, I had 15 Bibles and I passed them out. Obviously, seven didn't get them. And I said, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to read it. And just then, one lady handed hers to somebody next to her. And I thought, hmm, interesting. Well, we turned there anyway. And as we started reading it, I understood why she gave it away. She had memorized the whole thing. She just recited the whole chapter. When it was done, I went over to her at a break and I said, you, you, you recited the whole chapter. She says, oh yes, I've memorized many chapters. I said, where did you memorize so many chapters? She said, in prison. She said, you have much time in prison. <laughs> so I said, but don't they confiscate the Bible? And she said, yes. So people bring in scriptures written on pieces of paper and they bring it in. So I said, but then if they find that piece of paper on you, won't they confiscate that? She said, oh, yes, that's why you memorize it as fast as you can. Because <laughs> even though they can take the paper away, they can't take what's hidden in your heart. I thought, wow. Well, after three days, you fall in love with these people. And when it was done, I said, how can I pray for you? I'm going to go back to America. And you guys have been just so wonderful. How can I pray for you? They said, you know, Wayne, you guys can gather like this whenever you want to in America. We can't. Could you pray that one day we'll be just like you? And I looked at him and I said, I will not do that. Big incredulous eyes looked at me and they said, why? <laughs> I said, because you guys rode a train for 13 hours to get here. In my country, if you've got to drive more than an hour, people don't come. You sat on a wooden floor for three days. In my country, if people have to sit more than 40 minutes, they leave. You sat not only here for three days on a hard wooden floor, but you did it without air conditioning. In my country, if it's not padded pews and air conditioning, people don't often come back. In my country, we have an average of two Bibles per family. We don't read any of them. You hardly have any Bibles, and you memorize them from pieces of paper. I will not pray that we become like, uh, you become like us, but I will pray that we become just like you. I've been in Mexico where we smuggled in a bunch of Bibles and we got stopped at the at the airport and they opened up boxes of Bibles and the guns came out and and uh, one guard is hollering Biblia 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 
And another guard comes over and, Biblia, Biblia, Biblia. And they're taking our Bibles away. And one Lord, captain of the guard, apparently comes over and says, Biblia. And he lets them through. And when we got out to the village, and people found out that we had Bibles, one guy and his family came over the mountain, whatever that means, I don't know. He was a, a miner of jewels in the mountains, and so he and his family came in on a donkey that had a wooden saddle. He was actually fairly well-to-do. And uh, he would come into town over a weekend normally so that he could go to church on Sunday, and then he would take home a page of the Bible with him, and they would leave with that page of the Bible and come back in a couple of weeks when they could get a different page. And when I gave him a Bible, I thought he was going to just about pass out. And when I gave him two so that he could give one to somebody else in the area, it was more than he could take. He just he couldn't hardly even... It would be like finding a, a bag of of $100 bills that you knew were stolen from the bank and somebody comes up and hands it to you and you go, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. We have the opportunity to read God's word on a regular basis, anytime, anytime. We can listen to it in a CD, we can listen to a tape player, we can listen to it on our phones, we can listen, I could probably get you an eight track if you want. We can get reel to reel, we can get it however you want. You can read it, you can you can. You can eat it, you can, you, can, you can take it in any way that you want to. Just get it in. Just get it in. Just get it in because it's what changes our life. It is the only way to salvation. It is the only way to God. I don't, I don't care what we think is more important. In a heartbeat, all that that we think is important can be taken away. In a heartbeat, all that freedom can be taken away. Honestly, maybe you don't, maybe we don't grab a hold of that, but our freedoms are as fragile as a vase. In a heartbeat, they could all be taken away. And we have an opportunity to get God's word in us, in us, in us, in us. Scott shared, the thief has come to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and you might have it in abundance. You know what abundant life means? What does it mean? What does it mean? You know what happens if you have an abundance of life? You got enough to give away. How about that? Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it in abundance. But you can't give something away that you don't have. If you're working next to somebody and they've got turmoil in their life, you ought to have enough peace to give them a little bit. Right? If they're struggling and they're under, you ought to have enough joy that you say, I got something for you. We got some joy. We got some peace. We've got some hope. And it comes only, only, only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. We got to get his word in us, right? Oh, man, four of you. We got to get his word in us, right? Amen. Amen. That being said, we are one week away from being done with the New Testament. How many of you want to see what the Old Testament looks like? 
because I got it right here. Here is the Old Testament written the same way that we just went through the New Testament. And you might say, well, what comes after Revelation? The beginning, Genesis. We're going to do this as a church. I'm not exactly sure when, but I want to let you know I have a hundred of these. And so you can get them starting today if you want. We will be doing these. Um, you know, if we, if we did uh, twice a year, if we did two books, we did uh, uh, Messiah and Genesis, it would take us three years to get through the entire Bible. I don't think it has to take us that long. But um, you let me know how you want to do it. But we're going to do it, and we've got more of these available. If you'd like them today, you can start picking them up today. I don't have the rest of these, but man alive, wait until we get to the prophets. You've never read Psalms, or poets rather. You've never read Psalms and Proverbs like you read it in this book. I'm here to tell you, uh, you're going to want to do this because you want God's word in your heart because when you've got it in your heart, you've got enough to give away. Amen? We, we're the light. We're the light. We're plan A. Do we remember that? We are plan A. Jesus came. He gave his life. He passed that off. He died, came back to life, and, and then came into us, and we are plan A. This is how God plans on getting the word out to the world. It's through us, through you. Say, through me. Say it again. All of us. Through me. It's through us, right? That's how God's going to get his word out to the world. That's how he's going to get his peace. That's how he's going to get his joy. That's how he's going to get the message of salvation. We have been looking at, uh, boy, we're, we've got one more week left. We'll be looking at uh, First, Second, Third John and, and Revelation this week. Um, many of you have never even cracked the book of Revelation because you've been afraid of it. That's the truth. You don't have to admit it, but many of you have just gone, I don't know, that's just too scary. Well, grab a hold, read it, listen to it. You don't have to comprehend it all, but you won't comprehend any of it if you don't read it. Revelation starts out with, blessed is he who reads this book and understands it. Woohoo! That tells me he's given us a way to understand it, right? He's not going to hide it from us. You don't have to get up and teach deep theological lessons out of the book of Revelations because your neighbor probably doesn't care. But you've got to get it in you. You've got to begin to read it. Well, we've seen through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we've seen through other books that there are these threads that are kind of woven through it. And again, if we open our Bibles on a regular basis and we read it like a letter from Aunt Martha that we turn to page three and we look at the third paragraph and then we put our Bible away or our letter away, we're probably not going to understand the context of it. But when we read it through chapter after chapter after chapter, paragraph after paragraph, when we read our way through, all of a sudden there's a new light, there's a new life, there's a new hope, there's, there's a new direction. You may want to study it in another translation. You may want to grab your concordance. You may want to open up other books and go, boy, I want to look at that again. I want to look at that in a different way. I want to look at it again. I'm just telling you it brings life and it brings hope and it brings peace. Well, Hebrews is no different. Hebrews is a very unique book in the Bible. There are a couple of things about Hebrews that, that leave us kind of scratching our head. Number one is that the book of Hebrews, we don't know who the author is. Some people suggest that Paul is the author. Uh, uh, ancient, uh, some of the ancient um, writers, uh, Terillium, for example, believed that Barnabas was a writer of this letter. Uh, Luther, Martin Luther, suggested that it was Apollos, uh, one of Paul's disciples. Others have said it was Priscilla of Aquila and Priscilla. Here's the reality. Nobody really knows 
but it was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because God wanted us to have it. And what we do know and what we do understand from this letter is that whoever wrote it is writing specifically to the Jews who have accepted Jesus. Now, I, wanna, I want us to grab a hold of that because most of us in this room are not Jewish by birth. Some may have a little bit in you, but the reality is most of us are not Jewish by birth. So you'd say, well, what's the value of this letter? Here's the value of this letter. First of all, it's God's word to us, so there's value in it. But second, I don't care who you are or where you've come from. One of the things that the writer of this letter is saying is, regardless of what you have come from, even as a Jew, as a Jew, they would have come from the express teachings of Moses. They would have come from the Old Testament, from the law. They would have studied it, trying to get closer to God. You've tried all kinds of things. We've tried all kinds of things to get close to God. We've, we can try uh, uh, doing all kinds of things, but what the writer of Hebrews says over and over again is, regardless of what you you've tried, if you've tried to be good, if you thought being good is better, you might even come to church and go, I'm trying to get closer to God. He said, I don't care what you've tried, Jesus is better. He's like a step better. He's like more than a step. He is supremely better than anything that you've ever tried. That's what he says. He, he's talking here, the writer is talking about the Jews who are, who are doing everything they can in order to be better, to, to show that they're above, that they are followers of God. We've talked about the nation of Israel, right? God created an entire nation out of Abraham, out of one person. He created an entire nation to follow after him, and he, and he hemmed them in with all these rules and regulations in the law, which were totally unfulfillable. There's no way they could fulfill them all. Uh, He starts out with the Ten Commandments. We couldn't get that down, so the law of Moses gives us 613 more. Right? By the time you get out of bed in the morning, you've already had an attitude that has broken the law of Moses. Sorry. You can't work material, mixed material. So if it's cotton and anything else, you've broken the law. And according to what we read in the New Testament, if you break one aspect of the law, you've broken the whole law. This law is not intended... I'm going to be careful about this. This law is not intended for us to strive to keep. It's just not, that's not it. And so what has gone on is this entire nation has tried so hard to to be God's people and to keep God's commandments. And now Jesus is coming along and saying, you don't need to do that anymore because I've fulfilled all of that. Most of us were born in America. Here, I want us to understand this because Zoe brought it up. You know, we, we kind of got to understand where these folks are coming from. Most of us are born in America. And whether we want to admit it or not, pride is just part of that. Man, we, this is the greatest nation on the planet. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I haven't been to all nations. I don't know. It's a good, good place to be. Where we pick ourselves up by our bootstraps, right? We're, we're Americans. We, we, we cut this land out of a bunch of trees. Man, we're, we're here. We're, this is, we're the, the best nation on the planet, home of the free, land of the brave. Can you imagine having all of that identity stripped from you? Who, who are we then? I mean, there's a couple of military guys I see sitting in the audience going, Imagine having all that stripped away, all that heritage. And, and actually, if, we, if we're honest, we, we have a, a, a reservation just north of us, and we, we see what that's done to different people groups. 
I have a friend who actually lives in another country and he's lived there so long he had to make a choice. Do I become a, a citizen of this nation and, or do, do, I become a, do I remain a citizen of the United States? And he had to make a choice to give up his U.S. citizen. He is no longer a citizen of the United States. We don't think a whole lot of that during our day-to-day stuff. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. How many of you want to stand at the back door and go, yeah, I'm going to give up my citizenship and I'm going to become a citizen of Canada or Mexico, right? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. The nation of Israel was based on these promises that were given to Abraham. And in particular, their religious leaders who were trying to hold people to this standard to these rules tried so difficult to hang on to it it, it, was, it, was, it was unobtainable at best but now you have people who are leaving voluntarily leaving we, we fought for America we bled for America we died for America now you're voluntarily leaving and going to Canada it was a matter with you it's the Old Testament the Old Covenant we've been fighting for this we've been fighting for this and now you're going to follow Jesus what's the matter with you we have Abraham our father we, we, we have the, the rules that were given by angels. Angels gave these rules to, to Moses and they gave them to Abraham and they, they appeared and now you're going to follow after somebody else? We'll understand the, the difficulty, the struggle that these people were going through and it was to the, to the point that if you chose to walk away from that, then you were just banned. You were just banned. You were, you, were, you were banned from everything. You were banned from your entire lifestyle. You were banned from church. You are banned from going to the synagogue. You are banned from being around your family. You are banned from being, from being able to have economic status in the community. You are banned from all of that stuff if you are going to walk away from this religion and follow some other religion. We'll leave a church and go to another church and not think about it. We don't care. Big deal. Oh, I can worship here, I can worship there, I can go there, I can go someplace. We can do whatever we want, right? We don't think about that. We leave one job and we go to another job. How many of you know, though, every time you leave a scenario, you go to church here for 20 years and you choose to leave this church and go someplace else and people that you saw every week, all of a sudden you don't see them again. Like, how is that possible? We live in the same town and yet we don't see them again. Well, same thing was going on here. People were were leaving, and they were being banned. They were not allowed back in the synagogue. You leave this church, that's fine, but you can't go anywhere else either. You can't go to any other church. You can't, we're not going to let you worship. You're, you're not following after God anymore. And so the writer here is pointing out that he, that he wants them to remain. You've made this commitment to Christ. Now you're not just following after the Jewish tradition anymore. Now you're following after the purpose of the Jewish tradition. The whole Jewish concept was about a Messiah, right? The whole concept was about that. And so now that, that, that purpose has been fulfilled in Christ, and so you're following after him, but they're, they're excommunicating people left and right. So listen to what the writer says, starting here in verse 1, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. We must pay most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. It's a warning. Don't drift away. Don't drift. Don't let your faith, don't get sidetracked. Don't get drugged back into that old way. Don't drift. 
Now, I don't care whether this is a religious thing or if it's a party scene thing or if it's your old buddies. I'm telling you, if you've accepted Christ, this is what CR is about, Celebrate Recovery on Tuesday nights. If you've been part of something else and you've decided you need to make your life right with God, we want to encourage you, don't drift. Don't drift. You know, the old, uh, the old AA adage is... Uh, um, um, one beer is too many and two isn't enough. One beer is too many and 14 isn't enough. One beer is too many and two kegs isn't enough. Don't drift. Don't get down. I had a, a, a buddy who was struggling with, uh, with alcohol, and he said, we're, we're going to go to this meeting. Uh, uh, it wasn't a... a, a It wasn't a sober meeting, so to say. It was just a a get-together. He said, we're going to this meeting. Can I sit next to you? I thought, wait, 12 or what? You know, I mean, 14? Sure, you can sit next to me, I guess. That's fine. We're going to pass notes back and forth. And he said, well, I know you don't drink. I said, you're right, I don't. And he said, I know you won't drink. I said, no, I'm not going to drink. He said, even if somebody pressures you and asks you if you want a beer two or three times, you're not finally just going to cave in and say, yeah, give me a beer. And I said, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. And he said, I will. Can I sit next to you? I said, yeah, you can sit next to me. That's fine. Because I don't want him to drift. Because he knows that the whole, the whole crux of his alcoholism, the whole problem, the sin that he's got there is all it takes is one, and he's done. Well, Paul says, I don't want you to drift in your faith. I don't want you to get sucked back in. He, he spoke, whoever wrote this, I said, Paul, I don't, don't necessarily mean that. Uh, he spoke to the Galatians. And he said, oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You came out from underneath that, and now you're getting sucked back in. We don't, don't get sucked back in. Don't drift. For since the, mis- the message was spoken through angels was binding, he's saying the old covenant was spoken through angels and it was binding and every violation and disobedience received its punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation which, which was first announced by the Lord and was confirmed to us who heard it, God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit dispersed among us. He's like, listen, the old covenant was binding. The old way was binding. The, the Following the law, again, he's speaking to the, the Jewish believers. He's saying the old way, what you heard from Moses, that was binding and it was only spoken by angels. This is spoken by God. That was confirmed by, this was confirmed by miracles. Jesus did miracles. We saw him. People around him uh, were evidenced all of this. This is, this is binding. You thought that was binding? That's nothing, man. You, you can slip away from that and you'll be in trouble. You slip away from this and you're going to be lost. Again, we, we tend to think, well, we're not Jews, Pastor. This doesn't apply. It applies, folks. It applies because we don't want to slip. The author here is saying that first covenant, the message was by angels and it was binding. This message is by Christ and it's far more binding. Hebrews was written to encourage the Jewish brethren, the Jewish brothers and sisters in the law, don't go back to the old law. And the writer here says it's because of the supremacy of Christ, because of the supremacy of his covenant. His gifts, his promises, his ways, they are the fulfillment. All of those things, we've talked about this before. Old Testament over here, everything in the Old Testament points towards, forward in time, towards Christ. Everything in the New Testament points backwards to Christ. Everything, the focal point of history is right here. 
The focal point of all of history is right here on the cross of Jesus Christ. That is the focal point. Think about, about history in a big figure eight. You've got the Old Testament on one side, you've got the New Testament on the other side, and the focal point of all of it is the cross. Every ounce of it's right here. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, we're past that point now, but remember, that's the point. The point of all of history, all the prophets pointed towards the Messiah. Now all of our teachings have to point back towards the Messiah. Don't get away from the Messiah. Don't get away from Jesus. Whatever you do, don't get away from that. Because it is far more supreme. It's higher. It is greater. Uh, Hebrews chapter 8, starting in verse 6. But now Jesus, our high priest, you know in the old the Old Testament days, they had to have a high priest. Aaron started it. Aaron was appointed by man, right? Right? Aaron was appointed by man. Who was Jesus appointed by? Who are you going to listen to? Let's go with Jesus. Aaron had to go every year and make a sacrifice for the people. How many times did Jesus have to make a sacrifice? Who are you going to listen to? Let's go with that one, right? Aaron went to a temple that was made by hand. Where'd God, where did Jesus go? He went to a temple in heaven, right? That's what it says. That's what the word says. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry far superior to the Old Testament, to the Old Priesthood. If you want to look at the theme that runs through Hebrews, the theme is supremacy. The theme is supremacy. Everything about Jesus is higher. Everything about Jesus is better. Everything about Jesus is grander. Everything. If not for Christ, once you turn to that, once you make that, there is no higher power that you can call on. None. That's it. That's the top of the ladder. That's it. It doesn't get any higher than that. You can't go back to doing a bunch of rights and wrongs and try and please God. If you've turned to Jesus, he already fulfilled all that. He did all that. There's nothing higher. For he is the one who mediates a far better covenant with God based on better promises. If the first covenant had been faultless, then there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. Right? If the first one had been good enough, let me read you something out of Galatians. I asked Crystal not to put this up. Let me just read this to you. I want you to hear it. I want you to hear it. I want you to hear it in your heart. And just open your heart to this. This is Paul writing to the church in Galatia. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave the law through his angels to Moses, who was a mediator between God and the people, through God and the people, through God and the people. Now a mediator who is, hel- uh, who is helpful if far more than one party must be reached in agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Is there a conflict then between God and his law and God and his promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we would be made right with God by obeying it. But Scripture declares that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. 
before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in its protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was released. Let me put it to you another way. Paul says, the law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now the way of faith has come. We no longer need the guardian of the law. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. If you are here today, if you're watching us online, if you think that you can do a whole bunch of good things to get right with God, I'm telling you, you're misplacing your faith in yourself. You're misplacing your faith in your good deeds. You're misplacing your faith in, in, in things instead of the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ is supreme in every way. Hebrews 1.4, this shows us that the Son is far greater than angels, just as God gave him, a, his name is greater than their name. Uh, we have joy, we have a greater joy. In Hebrews 7.19, yes, the old requirements about the priesthood was set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law never made anything, the law never made anything perfect. But now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. You can draw close to God because of what Christ has done because of forgiveness instead of the law which just points out your sin and wants to push you away from God. Now we can draw closer because of what Christ gives us. Jesus, isn't that good? Isn't that good? Get this. Jesus has become the surety of a better covenant. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 22, because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. You got to get that. He's become the guarantor. He's like the cosigner. If you can't get to God any other way, he'll cosign for you and you can get there through him. He's the guarantor of a better covenant. We have a better life because of Jesus. Now it's not about the law pointing out all these ways that we fail. Now we have life and we have it more abundantly. We have hope and we have it abundantly. We have joy abundantly. We have peace so much so that in every difficult situation we can be overwhelmed with an undescribable peace, an unmerited peace. I don't even know why I feel this way. Have you ever lost somebody really close to you and you go, you know, I, I'm, I'm so sad that they're gone, but, but I'm not really because... They're in God's presence. I know that. I've got, I got peace. I can't really understand it. Guess what? That's part of the new covenant. That's not part of the old covenant. That's part of the new covenant. That's part of that peace, that joy, that life. We benefit from a better sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 9, starting in verse 23. That is why the temp tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven. Get this. The Old Testament gave, uh, God gave through Moses, gave a description of what the, what the temple needed to look like. This blows me away. It gives all these fantastic details of what the temple needed to look like. You gotta have a brazen altar and you gotta have a brass lavalier and you gotta have this, you gotta have, all, you got a table of showbread, you got the curtain, you got all that stuff. And here the writer of Hebrews says, that is why the temple and everything in it which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with a far better sacrifice than the blood of animals. It was purified with the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
For Christ did not enter into the holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf, on your behalf, on my behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of animals. If that had been necessary, Christ would have to die again and again and again and again and again and again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death and sacrifice. There is coming a day when that sin that's been paid for, not only is it going to be paid for, it's going to be removed. It's going to be gone. We're going to walk in a place where that is no more. Jesus didn't have to go into the temple made by hands. He, made it, he walked into the temple that was made by God, and he poured out his own blood on our behalf. There is no greater sacrifice than that. None. Hands down, drop the mic, end of story. No greater sacrifice. That's what Paul is, that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying over and over and over again. It's the supremacy of Christ. It's the supremacy of Christ. It's the supremacy of Christ. I understand he is talking to Jews. I want us to understand. I want us to understand. I don't care what it is that you have had in your life, what it is you think is better than, what it is you think, I might want to go back to that. There is nothing more supreme than Christ. You will never find any more joy. You will never find any more peace. You will never find any more hope than you will find in Christ. If you think walking in unforgiveness, because Barry ticked me off last week, and I think I'd just rather hold a grudge than anything. If you think that's going to give me more peace than forgiving him, you're wrong. There's nothing more supreme than the forgiveness of Christ, right? It's the supremacy of Christ. There's nothing in this old world. I can't even, all the do's and don'ts, I can't even follow all the do's and don'ts. That is not greater than the supremacy of Christ. You and I get to follow after that. And if the world doesn't like it, too bad. They're lost, right? The world wants to drag you back and wants to drag me back. Well, you know, if you just try a little bit, if you just, just, just come on back. You know, we, we hear this over and over and over and over and over again in, in CR. We hear it over and again, you know, well, yeah, I didn't have any place to stay, and so, you know, I went and stayed with my buddy, and, and you know, he just offered me one, and I thought, well, you know, I should just... That's not going to compare to the supremacy of Christ. You cannot go back to that old way. It will not give... Bob's got the best testimony of all. Bob stands up in CR... Can I say this about you? Is that okay? Don't put the camera on him. I'll go ahead. He doesn't care. <clears throat> He'll stand up and say, you know, I've been sober for 41 years, six months, three days, and 12 hours. I'm not sure, but that's, you, you got it better than that. Yeah, I'm counting. Why am I counting? Because in 41 days, three months, and six hours, I haven't been in the back of a cop car. I haven't been to jail. The, the love of Christ, the hope of Christ, the blood of Jesus is far superior to any drunk I ever felt. Right? You get to go. We, I just went last... <laughs> I just went on Friday night to a, a, a friend of mine was celebrating 20 years sobriety uh, in Hibbing. And so I drove through that storm to get to Hibbing because that's a big deal. He was not a good drunk. Or he was a really good drunk, one or the other. I don't remember. But one of the guys stood up and said, Well, Jim, I want to congratulate you on your 20th birthday of sobriety. And I said, And this is a birthday he will remember. You know why? Because Christ is supreme over all of those other things. 
And Jesus, uh, the writer here, was saying, even above all of the best rules, the very rules that God used to, to hem in Israel, to keep them safe, to birth the Messiah, Jesus is supreme to even all of those. There's nothing greater, nothing greater, nothing greater, nothing greater than the love of Christ. Nothing greater than the hope that we feel in him. Nothing greater than the peace that we, we feel in him. It, 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 it's faith, the Bible says. Faith is the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we've not yet seen. Faith is, is putting our faith and our confidence and our trust in, in, this, in this supreme Christ. The Bible says, the King James Version says, it's the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not yet seen. By faith, we understand creation. By faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice. By faith, Enoch went up to heaven. By faith, Noah built the ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. By faith, Sarah gave birth to a baby when she was 90 years old. And you might say, whoa, a baby when she was 90. Is that like an oops? No, that's not an oops. That's faith. Right? It's greater than an oops. Another passage there in Hebrews said, I'd like to tell you more, but I just can't. I ain't got time. I could talk about Gideon and Samson and Barak and David. I, I, I don't have time. Read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. Get it in you. You want to have faith. You want to see the supremacy of Christ. We have to get the word in us. That's where it comes from. Amen? I'm going to close. Or else I'm going to keep preaching one or the other. Lord, I just thank you so much. For your goodness, we thank you for that supremacy that is in Christ. Hebrews points to that one thing over and over and over and over again. It's a better sacrifice. It's a better peace. It's a better hope. It's a better contract. It's a a better covenant. Everything about Christ is supreme to anything. And we haven't even begun to scratch the surface. When we enter into your presence... As Scott shared this morning, there are mansions being built for us, God. We haven't even begun to look at what is to come. But we know here, right now, today, nothing, nothing is more supreme than you, than your faith, than, than, than walking in faith in you. Nothing is greater than, we can try it all, we can try all the things the world has to offer. Solomon said it was all vanity. God, I pray that you would Bind in our heart the truth. The supremacy is in Christ and Christ alone. I just thank you for this people and I pray that we'd walk in that truth this week, every day, every day, every day, God, we would just walk in that truth in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen.